of me when you are all alone. Maybe the one who is waiting for you will prove untrue. Then what will sigh wishing that I were near then maybe you'll ask me to come back again and maybe I'll say Welcome to VG Empire, episode 145. This is Brett Elston, along with my two returning guests. Patrick Nuka-Cola Kulikowski. Man, with, I can use that with authority. alias there. Yeah. This is Tim Radroach-Turry. Radroach. Oh, boy. Whoa. I don't think they had Radroaches in the first couple well, of Fallout. Well, I'm going to learn a lot this episode. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. We're doing Fallout 1 and 2 for this episode because... I'm a very huge fan of the first two Fallout games. I don't know about you guys. I guess you have never played those. I always um, wanted to. I had them downloaded. I was interested. The reason I held off on Fallout 3 for so long was because I'm like, got to play the originals first, got to play them first. Right. And eventually, I put that aside because I just never got around to them. Yeah. And uh, admittedly, a lot of people who came in with Bethesda's Fallout 3 find it hard to go back to 1 and 2. And yeah, yeah they're they're. They're really old games <laughs> at this point, uh, but I, I I grew up playing those first. So uh, when three was announced to be brought back from the dead and Bethesda uh, took up the mantle, uh, that was very exciting. So uh, anyway, yeah, Fallout One and Two are the focus of this, and um, what led us in was uh, Maybe by the Ink Spots, and now. Generally, we don't do licensed <laughs> music on this podcast, but uh, I think the licensed music for Fallout specifically is so ingrained with the actual lore of the game, and its usage in the intro is so important, I feel, across the board for the series that I thought it would be do, worth do coming in. With, so. One thing I'm curious about, and like maybe we'll just learn this through the course of the episode, is like, did three lean into that way more than the first two, like the sort of classic, mu- like classic music? Or? Yeah. So just to give a bit of backstory, F- follow follow three, as you know, there's a radio station that plays this kind of music. Why forty like thirties, forties, fifties music is so prevalent? We'll get to that uh, within the Fallout universe. But this was uh, maybe by the Ink Spots, and it was u- licensed for use in the first Fallout in the opening and epilogue. Uh, and so the developers, they originally wanted to do another Ink Spot song, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire, which, as you know, is in the intro of Fallout 3, but they didn't get the licensing for that because of copyright issues, so they went with Maybe instead. Uh, and then Maybe was reused again in Fallout 3 as a Galaxy News radio song. So uh, anyway, we, before getting into that, we should probably talk about what Fallout is for a bit, but 
Fallout, as most people know it now, is a post-apocalyptic RPG series. It was started by Interplay, released on PC and Mac in 97, the same year we got Final Fantasy VII and Castlevania Symphony of the Night, uh, things like that. And it was uh, kind of framed as a spiritual successor to the 1988 PC RPG Wasteland, which was a previous Interplay joint by the uh, Fallout co-producer Brian Fargo. So post-apocalypse, it's mid-21st century, basic everything is destroyed by nukes, essentially. Conflicts between China, USA, Canada, that leads to a nuclear war. Then according to the narrator of Fallout, voiced by Ron Perlman, as mm. most people know, you know, war, war never changes, that whole thing. Oh, is that you, um, Ron? No, oh, that, that, was, that was Ron. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, basically in 2777, the storm of World War had come again. In two brief hours, most of the planet was reduced to cinders, and from the ashes of nuclear devastation, a new civilization would struggle to arise. So the story of the games generally frames around the lucky people who survived the nuclear fallout because they were, uh, they were able to retreat and survive in underground vaults, which, of which only a thousand people could fit into these vaults. And these were created by U.S. corporations, Vault Tech and Robco, for the U.S. government to preserve what they could in, in the event of a nuclear catastrophe. So um, these vaults protected the people from the incoming nukes with a twist that I will not go into because spoilers. But um, I think it's pretty safe to discuss. I'm that. just curious. <laughs> I mean, having played three and four, I'm yeah. like curious about what backstory I can learn. But uh, yeah. spoiler warning, I guess. Yeah, spoiler warning. Th- so three, all, uh, it's already common knowledge at that point. But in two, in Fallout 2, you find out that it's a big government conspiracy and all of the vaults are essentially scientific experiments to uh with different you know controls and things like that to uh mess with people because that's pretty ingrained in three so they kind of lean into it further after. yeah that the the big reveal of that happened in two and one you had no idea that was going Mm -hmm. on so um but yeah follow is has always been like drenched in dark humor like post-World War II nuclear paranoia, the whole duck and cover. If you think of that duck and cover video, um, lots of... I had to practice it many times as a kid. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Like, right, because Cold Cold War. I mean, I was in kindergarten, was like 85, so it was uh, was still being taught at that time. Did they have a duck and cover video? That duck I don't know if I saw saw that video, but, like, we had to do, like, the full-on, like, here's what... Tornado drill... This drill, and oh, yeah, here's the duck and cover thing, too. And I'm like, you know, I think by, like, second or third grade that was gone already. Of course. But yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember it at all. I have memories wow. of maybe just kindergarten where it was still kind of like, just in case. Right. Don't, we don't know. Before the Berlin Wall fell. Because, uh, yeah. like, 86 was that movie, uh, The Day After Tomorrow or something. That's like right. That. And yeah. that was the whole, like, it was, like, the highest viewed TV movie of all time up to that point. We talked about it on 302010 a few mm. years ago, 2016, uh, to, if you're doing your math. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, the whole idea was this nuclear paranoia was super prevalent. So, yeah, the fact that it shows up here. Yeah. Um, so fall is drenched in that. Because in the 90s, yeah. sorry, it's in the no, 90s. In the 90s, it was far enough removed. We're like, hey, we can joke about this. It's total, like, that's not going to happen right. again. Right. Not like it'll ever happen again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously, it's also very much inspired by Mad Max, Road Warrior, A Boy and His Dog. Uh, radioactive dreams and forbidden planet, even to name a few more. I but did watch a boy and his dog. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. There's some Doctor Strange love in there, and absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what kind of game is the first Fallout? The first two are isometric turn-based uh, RPGs. Mm. Uh, so, think 
from the perspective of Diablo right. or XCOM, sure. uh, just taking turns. The Last Ninja. Yeah. Uh, I never Come played on. that one. <laughs> um, three uh, Cobra Triangle. Yeah, yeah, so very different from, from three, as most people would... Uh, would be used to like the whole action RPG, first person, third person shooter elements of it. Uh, not the case here, and it's very, it's very steeped in uh, what is called the special system, which uh, determines like your strength and forgetting the the other one, perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence. Agility and luck, I believe. Wow, I got all the specials. This was also my oh, kindergarten yes. report card. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you really put yourself on the spot there. Yeah, and you followed through. Nice it work. was in my notes, and I didn't even look at it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so you essentially uh, you create your own character. Um, you can use presets. Don't recommend preset characters in in the Fallout games. But um, you're you're one of the people from the vault. One of the survivors lived all your life in the vault. All of a sudden. Your vault's water chip, which generates water, uh, is is malfunctioning. So everyone's freaking out because they're running out of a water supply. You're tasked with being the one to leave, the first person to leave the vault since the nukes dropped. Like uh, uh, I forget the exact, maybe like 70, 90 years ago. And so you venture out. It's a giant wa- wasteland in like Southern California in the year twenty one sixty one, and you have to go f- try to find a water chip, and that's where. You come across the people above ground who either left the vaults long ago or uh, somehow survived on the surface. Uh, usually if you survived on the surface, you turned into what was called a ghoul or a mutant, uh, heavily irradiated. So you go out to uh, on the wasteland, you meet all kinds of people, raiders, survivors, caravans, merchant towns. So think think that Mad Max mm-hmm. feeling. That's what, that's what, uh, that's kind of the whole vibe all, of the all, game. That part's all very familiar to like someone who just played Fallout 3 and stuff like that. Exactly. It's just the yeah. gameplay is the big difference. Was was Vats part of? Not at all. No, so no. Uh, Vats is kind of a glorified version of the aimed shot mechanic from Fallout 1 and 2 where you could right click on your weapon, click on an enemy, and then it'll show you kind of a Vats style. Uh, you can hit the head and it has this accuracy, this chance of hitting. You can hit the chest. One thing that three didn't have that one and two still had was you could attack people's groins, and that was always a kind of a bit of a uh, always elicited a chuckle from me if you successfully hit someone in the groin. But that, and uh, it still persists to this day if you see it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that's straight line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sorry, sorry, pal. <laughs> you know, maybe only thirty percent success rate, but hundred percent laughs. Right, yeah. right, right. So it's it's not turn based in the sense that you you're. St- stuck in one you know place and you're attacking or there's a random encounter every sort of steps you take you're moving around the playing the the same field spending action points as you move and use your weapons and that sort of thing and uh like in true western rpg fashion you can run the whole game as a pacifist if you want not killing anyone for the most part you can talk your way out of combat provided you have a high speech skill and of course there's lots of multi multiple routes multiple ways of going about things not everything is cut and dry good or bad um lots of gray areas which i really appreciate in western rpgs like witcher that came afterwards and everything so um but yeah the uh obviously we used a, a license track in the beginning but uh the key focus of this podcast is the 
music created by the composer Mark Morgan for both games, which uh, he's a master at crafting incredibly atmospheric and ambient music, and it perfectly fits the mood and environment and setting of the game. So um, other works he's worked on in the past, Zork Nemesis, uh, Planescape Torment, Giant Citizen Kabuto, which he did mm. with uh, Jeremy and Julian Soule. Uh, later on, he would do Need for Speed Shift, uh, Wasteland 2, and more recently, uh, Torment Tides of Numenara. But um, this is a bit of a different episode in that it's not super melodic. Right. Um, and, you know, not all game music needs to kind of f- fill that. Uh, but uh, I, f- I always loved listening to to this music. I always loved how well... Like, it, it's weird. It's like avant-garde. It's very... I mean, I'm trying to locate more words. Only we can hear it. I just, I just want to say, Pat, I appreciate that you focus on this because I was just having a conversation about this yesterday, where it's like it's easy to like we all like a lot of music that we can hum a tune to, but like the music that just was there and you might not be able to hum it after the fact is like just as important, even though it feels more invisible sometimes. It's like it contributes so extremely to the overall like package. So, and I think this game, this game one and two in particular, did that so well that even just if I'm on the computer putting the soundtrack on, it it really gets me in, in like this interesting zone. So um, I mean we also just came off a four month a four five week block of like super melodic <laughs> yeah, video game yeah. Gen- Genesis stuff. Eat, so eat our vegetables here. Yeah. Right. Kinda, yeah. So it's yeah. yeah fun this show. Or irradiated vegetables. No, but uh I, I, with that said, I think the the tunes are very memorable if if you know, very wacky. Um, but we'll kick it off with a couple of them just to give you an idea. Uh, starting with Moribund World, that's the world map music in Fallout. Um, gives off this sort of mysterious, albeit adventurous and somewhat perilous feeling. Kind of perfectly captures the player's feeling of venturing out into a world they've never seen before, given you know their previous sheltered life. Lots of ethnic drums and wood woodwind, that sort of thing. Um, and then we'll also have uh, A Trader's Life. This is a town in the game called The Hub, um, and it complements the bustling merchant town nicely. There's, again, a mesh of ethnic drums, woodwind, even a, some low bass slaps, sitar, didgeridoo, chimes, like all, su- all these uh, very like folky or worldly uh, instruments. And then uh, we'll also have Second Chance. This is one of the first settlements you can come across when you venture out into the wasteland and it perfectly captures the feeling of dread and futility of living in the wasteland. It's not pleasant to listen to, uh, but it always, it never, um, I always feel like these goosebumps whenever listening to it. It enhanced the gameplay, the the experience of playing. Right, right. It shot chills up my spine whenever, like a bit of discomfort, but at the same time, like super beautiful, uh, all in one package. So, Again, we'll be listening to Moribund World, A Trader's Life, and Second Chance. Thank you. 
right, I am uh, sufficiently bummed out. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> so, second Chance is a great title for that uh, last track we listened to, because it's like, this is your second chance. The world is nuked. Um, yeah. Everything sucks. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. I, I like the, co- yeah. the contrast between the, probably because we just listened to those two most recently, but the mm. second and third where it's like the second one was like, clearly came across as like it was kind of busy sounding, like yeah. it, but it was together. It, it Bustling. worked. Bustling works. Yeah. You can imagine people kind of uh, going about their business. And then the uh, second chance is just like, Howling wind, like yeah, world of ruin, FF six style, like exactly, just yeah. just hell on earth. Yeah. Imagine what? a crazy Mad Max character just to jump out you, mm-hmm. like you got any fuel? Oh! Yeah, just think we <laughs> oh, shoes. It just it just has that yeah that feeling of like I we are literally going to get in a fight over shoes, mm-hmm. and that's that's, <laughs> right. that's my day. Yep. Um, or, or more a uh, very very common in the uh, in the world of Fallout is uh, getting in a fight over Brahmin, which are the oh, uh, mutated cows of the world, like two headed cows or whatever, um, as a result of radiation. And but, the first one, yeah. uh, Moribund World, really mm-hmm. reminded me of like unlocking stuff in the Mortal Kombat crypt. <laughs> uh, but that is also like navigating basically a desolate outworld wasteland. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is, invo- the you know, much like we always say, oh, this sounds like a water mm-hmm. level. This sounds like an ice level. Like, right. This actually, there's a sound to that like desolation and like, how do I make this unappealing as possible, but also like supporting the narrative of the game and making you actually mm-hmm. not want to like turn this music off. Right, right. And, and Pat mentioned, like called out the woodwinds and stuff before that uh, that track, and it yeah, it fits for like, hey, uh, all the trees have been uh, leveled, and there's nothing to stop the like yeah. irradiated winds just from blowing through this land, and uh, it fits that way. Yeah. So uh, a bit of a backstory of why. Fallout has such a soundtrack. Um, and I got this from uh, another podcast called Dev Game Club, episode 33. So shout outs to those guys. They uh, interviewed um, Tim Kane, who was uh, one of the, uh, I want to say producers, as well as uh, uh, Leonard Boyarski, I believe. Sorry if I butchered his last name. Uh, but essentially, uh, Tim Kane would listen to, a, there was an actual CD put out, I believe, by Virgin Records called ambient isolationism uh-huh. and it had these dark ambient tracks on it like like two discs worth i think and he would listen to darker and darker ambient music as he coded the game and he would uh add the the darker tracks that he liked to his own separate folder that he would then send to the music director and to the music director he was like have mark morgan the composer make new pieces that sound like they would belong on a cd with these pieces huh. and so as a result uh mark uh, sampled a whole crap crap ton of uh, like dark ambient, but also his own sounds, and mm. kind of butchered them in a sense, and and included them in the game. But uh, there's a lot of influence from, and even just like covering Aphex Twin, Brian Eno, even Depeche Mode is sampled. Like so many different samples and layers uh, taken, or at least um, or imitated in mm. the music which is really fascinating is this, have those samples like made it difficult to re-release these like uh, is not it that level of sampling where you're mm. like oh man um, personal jesus why is that <laughs> no no i think it's uh i think it's probably like under the whole fair use of, okay. of sampling but uh so moribund world is actually ha- has samples from the track windowsill by aphex twin wow weird. and and then um a trader's life where if i can bring up the track and this is from the ambient isolation 
uh, Nism music that I looked up after hearing Tim Kane talk about it. Um, it is the track is called uh, "Little Sister" by Orang, which is now a now defunct avant-garde ambient uh, two-piece band. But yeah, they topped out after playing the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is what helped inspire and sample the hub music that you listen to. Oh, for sure. Um, all the little bit of clanging and the the low bass, like bass slapping, humming that you hear, comes, yes, comes from this. I mean, track. even if, if anything, this even sounds more melodic, or like right. that. There's a through line to the music to like exactly, yeah, yeah. It's pretty neat in that way. Yeah, uh, there was also one thing I found that uh, Mark Morgan hasn't been interviewed that much, but I did find something. Um, that he commented on. This is from uh, an interview with Game OST in 2008. So uh, the interviewer asked, some of your compositions include non-musical sounds. Were these ready-made samples from music libraries, or did you create these sounds on your own? And he replied, I would say a combination of the two. I was using a synclavier when I did those games. So I did a lot of blending with traditional sources, synthesis, and resampling. Then I effed them up. Obviously, you didn't say effed there. Oh as much as I could. Not on my show, we did. <laughs> in, the, in the processing stage until they sounded good to me. The challenge to me and the fun part, especially in the Fallout games, was to blend this kind of odd ethnic and industrial sound design into something emotional and musical. Yeah, I mean, it and, definitely comes through. And yeah. It, yeah. Like, even just knowing... It's one of these series where I mostly, like like most people I know through Fallout 3 or New Vegas or something, mm-hmm. this is a series I have not played at all. No incarnation of it. Right. Like uh, 1, 2, 3, or 4. It's just, I've been super interested, but just never, it, you know, planets never aligned or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating to listen to this because I don't, I actually don't know that much about Fallout 3 and Fallout 4's like ambient music soundtrack. Yeah. Because I am just playing those oldies the oldies, yeah. Because they just fit. They just gel everything. And the moment... It's fascinating because in, in Fallout 3 or 4, you can be going through like a, just a totally flooded you know, vault or something mm-hmm. and be blasting, you know, maybe or other, you know, old, old songs like that. And uh, if you turn it off, it turns into like a horror game, essentially. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. why... This is kind of reminding me that, like, man, maybe next time I go back, I should listen to some of, like, the ambient right. music and right. stuff. I do. <clears throat> it does seem weird, though, the whole, like, oh, culture stopped, so that's why they're all still using f- f- 30s and 50s right. songs or whatever. Essentially, techno- uh, in the world of Fallout, technology boomed uh, way more than our society's technology boomed in the real world. But culture took, like, a back step, and people were stuck listening to kind of the same oldies music. But, like, why, if this happened in 2077, like, by 2077, literally Carly Rae Jepsen would be oldies. <laughs> like, but, but, yeah, this, so th- this is on an alternate timeline where, where culture did not grow in the same way it did here. Oh, and th- I see. Things remain, remain stagnant there, whereas technology oh, oh, boomed. Not post-war, but like, pre, like before the war, that's what you mean. Technology boom, but... Right, Oh, I exactly. thought you meant like after uh, b- the... Before the nuclear war, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah, rescind yeah. my entire statement. Right, I didn't right, actually right. know that. I thought that the bombs just dropped in the era that, you know, this music was cold, like pulled from or something. It's just, it doesn't add up, actually, right, now well, that I think about it, but... Right. Um, and that's where uh, the whole Forbidden Planet influence, like uh, like the laser weapons and plasma weapons, are very much designed in that mm. style. Like Mars goof- attacks, yeah, goofy Mars <laughs> attacks, like <laughs> rings on your 
laser pistol and I love I yeah, love that stuff. Things uh, like that. They so. they get really goofy with like the the extra sort of a lot of that came through in like DLC from my experience with right. and stuff. But it's oh still, the UFOs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Uh, fun fact: a uh, lot of uh, semi to pretty famous uh, voice actors in the game. So not most NPC dialogue is you know text, but there are uh, like these talking head more important NPCs that you can talk to. Um, and it's always fun talking to them because if you say something that pisses them off, uh, you, uh, they, they're like based on these clay models. So you'll see their faces like crease or like <laughs> give you like a glaring thing. It's, it's kind of creepy, but also fascinating at the same time that something in 97, uh, had this, but, uh, uh, Keith David, oh, yeah. uh, Ron Perlman, as, as I had mentioned before, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, Mag- uh, MacGyver himself, wow. uh, voiced, and even uh, an early Tony Shalhoub, pre-monk, oh, wow. uh, voiced a um, kind of... Uh, From Shalhoub. Yeah, a, a, a mayor of a town. So, so. Galoob joke. But. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. No one's seen commercials before. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, might as well jump into a couple more tracks here Let's from Fallout 1. Uh, so I've got four four more tracks for Fallout 1 that we can just uh, plow through here. Uh, Cons of the New California. This is what I like to call the Sleazy Raider song. It plays what it's worth, Cons is like Wrath of Con, not C-O-N. It's K-H-A-N. Yes. Just yeah, like Con! For, yes, the, for, the, that, for the listener. <laughs> that Cons version. of the New California. Yes. Uh, not Convict and not uh, Con Man. Uh, it plays in dangerous areas where gangs and raiders abound. It's very uh, gives off a very mischievous, uneasy feeling, but it has a really cool, uh, groovy bass line, steady drum patterns. It's this cool uh, moment in the track that has this like really low end, groovy rock organ. Um, rock organ, and that uh, that was again another uh, another track that features heavy samples from uh, ambient music. Uh, this group called Scorns, uh, Scorn, and their track title is Silver Rain Fell, so it samples heavily from there. Uh, we'll also be listening to Metallic Monks. That's the uh, Brotherhood of Steel HQ music. Brotherhood of Steel is also in Fallout 2 and 3. Um, and at, they're known as like, they're like the remnants of a top secret genetic research program involving the U.S. Army that survived the war. And they continue to research advanced technology. They're basically technological uh, mm-hmm. hoarders, essentially, hoarding all the high tech that exists post, post uh, bomb drop. Um, this track is interesting because it's like there's like this background siren that conjures up thoughts of the apocalypse as it's happening, and there's uh, very low humming, delicate synths, uh, even a little bit of militaristic drumming, but it's mm. very lo- like pretty low key uh, given all that. And then uh, after that, we've got Radiation Storm. Now this one uh, plays when you're uh, in a place called the Glow and. It used to be a research facility that became this gaping crater in the ground where one of the bombs dropped. So you go in here essentially on a dare to prove your worth to the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, they're obviously just sending you out there to to your death because mm-hmm. they don't want to be bothered with you. But when you go in there and you take your rat away, your rat X pills to fortify your, uh, you know, RPGs um, to fortify yourself, uh, you if you do some digging there, you find out a lot of backstory about the, how the bombs dropped, when, and uh, it was really fascinating going through this environment because uh, it's so creepy. There aren't really any enemies to fight, maybe maybe a few, but uh, with this music playing, 
and uh, and all the devastation and destruction that and radiation that you find there. You like never know what you're going to bump into, and it was super haunting. Uh, probably one of the best moments of the game for me. Just like this whole very mm. isolate isolationist uh, creepy vibe. And then uh, we'll also listen to Vats of Goo, probably the most melodic track on for this podcast. It's a great WiiWare game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it plays during the game's intro as Ron Perlman describes how the world came to end, mm. as well as in some of the final areas of the game. Totes creepy, uh, droning sound, ch- chilling piano key, and a swelling of strings and sirens. And it is also a fully intentional cover of Brian Eno's Alternative three. It's cool. almost like note for note, <laughs> the oh, same. And, but it, 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 there, it's been admitted to to be a cover. So and no yeah. legal action was taken. And no legal action. If you call was it a t- cover, is everything okay? Just <laughs> I, th- like, I think so. Just it's like, like oh, uh, okay. okay. Like, I just like it's wrote, fascinating. Uh, like that they were so openly like covering or sampling existing things. Yeah. Um, and then normally that becomes a problem like decades later right. that prevents stuff from getting talked about or re-released. Did these ever get re-released anywhere? Yeah, yeah uh, they're available for purchase on GOG, Steam. Oh, sure. There were, there were moments where they were removed for like a certain period of time, and I think that that had more to do with the whole interplay passing it right. off to Bethesda, that mm. sort of thing. So, I remember when that happened. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of, if I may, yeah. quick aside, uh, the classic one I think of is is Robo's theme from Chrono Trigger and like never gonna give you up. Oh, <laughs> did anything ever come up from that? Like, I I have a I have a completed video sitting on Dropbox, uh, waiting to get out there someday of me analyzing that and its similarities. To, oh, oh yeah. yes, to the Supreme Court. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Any, just kidding. I love them both. The Supreme Game Music Court, it's which uh, is us. Yes, the Supreme Court. Anyhow, <laughs> sorry about that. Is a dumb <laughs> joke. Hey, wait, Pat, what do you got for us? Uh, well, that's it for the show. Uh, um, cons of the New California: Metallic Monks, Radiation Storm, and Vats of Goo.
Oh, yeah, the last one was, uh, I mean, really sold, because you said it, it plays while Ron Perlman is narrating, like, and then the world exploded. Right. <laughs> um, but it does a really good job of just making you feel super alone, and you're about to go roam the wasteland looking for literally whatever scraps of whatever you can find, mm-hmm. like water, clothes, ammunition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like that. I like that. It was kind of like the you know the Brotherhood of Steel uh, track because it, it used the sirens, but I like yeah. that it had a siren and it like just it held off like the the part where the siren like goes winds down, down yeah. and it, it like keeps going up. It, yeah. it kept going up, which is like really it's really unnerving not to have the follow through on that. I think they maybe like move it a little bit later, but like uh, just to mess with like such a uh, a knowable sound is mm-hmm. ad- makes it extra unnerving, which I appreciated for sure, for sure. Um, you mentioned Sim Ant for cons of Look, the new I, color. you know, <laughs> we've done 145 of these things, and uh, which which track was that? Uh, cons of the New California. I think yeah, well, because it's yeah. like this. Yeah, you mentioned like a Raiders song, so like you're in their territory kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. so, probably 25 years ago, I rented Sim Ant once, <laughs> and one track stood out to me. I think you play as the Red Ants. Or the black ants, I don't remember. Mm. And I covered them all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna derail the show until we figure out <laughs> which ant you play. But uh, eventually, you can get to a point. You're building a colony, but you eventually invade other ants' colony, and the other ants' colony plays a song that is like, "Oh man, like it's you alone in this like swarming area of unfriendlies, and it's dark and it's underground, and it's the exact same emotion, but with ants." It's the precursor to Fallout. And, uh, <laughs> but the songs probably don't sound anything alike, but there's just something about that track that got across the, like, whoa, man, i got to tread carefully. I'm surrounded by yeah. a bunch of mean ants Especially uh, or in, cons. In, in Fallout, it's so easy to uh, rub someone the wrong way by the uh, dialogue you choose. Like, like <laughs> within an instant, the com- conversation will end, and they'll initiate initiate combat with you it's because like you my, said something it's like my everyday yeah. life <laughs> so um speak, speaking of dialogue and conversations uh something i really appreciate about fallout one and two is the the text in the game it's very well written very fun and descriptive like environmental dialogue and battle text so one one i i have some samples of text here but the environmental text um in the first game in the intro as you're leaving the cave where the vault is and venturing out into the wor- real world for the first time, um, it has the the HUD has like a, an area where text you know spills onto that that you read describing everything. So in this, it says um, as you're exiting the cave to the west, you can see a natural light for the first time in your life. You are looking at the outside world, and I always loved how like poetic those statements could be in the game as you're as you're going through. And uh, battle text is really creative too, just to give you a few ideas. So. Obviously, there's the generic character takes X amount of damage, but then um, depending on how heavy that damage is, it'll have some creative flavor text as a result. So light to moderate damage, it'll say something like, the bruise will look nice, and maybe the scars will make good party talk. And then mortally, if you're mortally wounded, you get a nice view of your body as your head sails through the air. And then uh, more, if you mortally wound an enemy, one of the lines is, unfortunately, his spine is now clearly visible from the front. And then uh, another favorite, if you uh, kill a super mutant enemy, uh, get a headshot on him, the head explodes like a giant bloody watermelon. And I feel like those kind of text uh, 
battle texts are kind of lost in more recent fallouts and in triple A games in general. Like I think Undertale is a good example of that yeah, coming back. Uh, Undertale is a good example. I know yeah. a lot of the positive things I've heard about, you know, and seen a little bit of it, like in Divinity Two, mm. uh, kind of are evoked from like this era and stuff. And there's something. Right. I mean, it's like the, the magic of player choice in uh, in video games meets like like the a limitless like imagination of reading. Exactly. And I, I like that interpretation mm-hmm. of it for sure. Sure the the sprites on screen and Fallout may not be the most detailed by today's standards. Some of it is still though. Like the uh the game is as you would imagine very, very violent like its uh successors and even the little sprites like seeing a head explode or or uh, one of my favorite gross gross out ones is uh if you sh- successfully kill someone with a plasma rifle they literally just melt in front of you with this like ooey gooey like robocop <laughs> like, yeah like that uh, so it's still very graphic even for its uh okay i'm given, into it yeah given its sprite uh, sprite artwork, deaths yeah. sprite mean, deaths yeah it's my new band you guys want to join <laughs> let's go so um that, that'll lead us into fallout 2 which came out a full year later in 1998 so the first one was developed by a group within interplay they eventually came to be uh known as black isle and a big portion of the Fallout 1 dev team made up Black Isle. Uh, they'd also go on to work on Icewind Dale, Planescape, Planescape Torment, uh, still published by Inter- Interplay. Interplay obviously was st- still owned Fallout, technically. But uh, Mark Morgan came back to compose. Um, Fallout 2 had some s- several improvements, like better HUD, more weapons, enemy types, a bigger world. Um, NPC party members were way smarter and you could like change their battle strategies as opposed to the first game where they just kind of went off and did their own thing uh, with no control. Um, and there was also a new uh, reputation and karma system so your actions could reflect the way people treat you across towns and cities as opposed to just the one town you're in. So uh, kind of like how we see in Red Dead Redemption 2 these days uh, where everyone will comment on mm-hmm. you across the board. Uh, kind of same idea here. Two had a bit more in terms of like fourth wall breaking and like pop culture jokes. There were there was like a full on Monty Python and the Holy Grail like parody that you can find in one of the random encounters on the world map. Um, lots of references to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that sort of thing, which some fans I guess weren't big on. I loved it. I, I ate that stuff up, uh, especially as I was like getting into Monty Python at the middle school age that I got into this with. So uh, musically, you can kind of expect the same sort of uh, deal with Fallout 2, albeit even more ethnic vibes, I would say, um, especially given the game's story. So it takes place 80 years after Fallout 1. It centers around the descendant of the vault dweller of the first game. And um, you're essentially your tribe because they basically he goes out to, without spoiling too much of the first game, uh, he is uh, not in the vault anymore, and he goes to create his own tribe or village or what have you. So you're from this tribe, Oroyo, and uh, they're dealing with a severe famine and droughts, and they are pursuing a magical piece of technology called the Gek, or Garden of Eden Creation Kit, which would uh, cause their wastelandish tribe village to flourish with greenery and water and that sort of thing. So um, the chosen one is sent out to out into the world and find that and save his or her village. So is it real? Gek, I wish it was. 
No, I mean not in real life, Pat. Thanks, but uh, it, within the game, like I'm just trying to think it is. of it. Is it, it's like yeah. if you could do this and have unlimited resources, couldn't why are there wars? Anyway, <laughs> I've, no, we're, we're it's fine. not real. To me. Okay, um, in in the game world, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, in the best ending, you do get a hold of one. But then even in the game world, it's like, oh, so we have this, and we could we could fix the world at any time. Well, it's like, I guess a given amount of space, yes. Mm. Um, uh, interestingly, in a, in a, uh, the developers were clearly having fun with this one because uh, there's an area in Fallout 2 where you actually find, um, like, storage closets full of water chips, Whereas it was like the, you were looking for the single one. I, in, I like that a in lot. The first actually, game, yeah. it's yeah. just like this. It's was, like up this, here, a ton of them. <laughs> right like, yeah, you're just in the wrong part of the country, bud. <laughs> you're right, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So uh, this is still in, kind of in the same area as Fallout One, so like Southern California, but it opens up to a bit of NoCal, San Francisco. Funny enough, is in the game. Um, small parts of Nevada, so the world map is much much bigger in that regard. Uh, so music, I've got. Four good ones for you. Um, Beyond the Canyon. This is the starting town of Arroyo that you're in. Synthesizers meets ethnic vibe. Kind of a cool fusion of old and new. Uh, Mm. And then we also have California Revisited. That's the world map of Fallout 2. Uh, Ethnic sounding like Fallout 1s, but far more up-tempo, perhaps to demonstrate that civilization has grown somewhat since the events of Fallout 1. Um, now, for, uh, the next track is probably the chillest track and least uh, uh, dreary of the whole podcast, uh, Serenity. It's also alternatively called uh, Dreamtown. And this, is, this plays in one town called Modoc, um, originally composed for another game called Netstorm. Uh, well, There's a lot to unpack here. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, how do you spell, do you spell Modoc here? Yeah. Uh, M-O-D-O-C. Okay. Oh, you're thinking of the comic book character. Yeah. see. Not um, not killing. Instead, it's uh, yes. casting. Yes, Got it. podcasting. Exactly. <laughs> um, so serenity. The track serenity. It's very dreamy. Um, for once, you get some respite from the death and decay of the post-apocalypse. And it's one of the few towns in the game that I don't recall anything super nefarious going on. There's like you're dealing with like townspeople's troubles, like mm. oh the toilet's backed up or or uh, my brahmin ran out. Can you please rescue it? That sort of stuff. So. Uh, I don't recall too much violence going on in that town. Although, as a Western RPG, you can go hog wild with that if you wanted to. So, um, And then the other two tracks we've got are uh, All Clear Signal. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite Fallout tracks. It's uh, the, the town theme for a place called Vault City. It is one of the most technologically advanced above-ground cities in the Fallout world. And um, the backstory of this city is after receiving the All Clear Signal to exit the vault... After the nukes fell, the inhabitants of uh, the vault, Vault 8, ventured out and started a settlement which would later become Vault City. Um, This track is really cool. It starts off kind of like weird and mechanical, but then uh, this dark, funky, bassy synth, as my notes say. It's very like uh, Vangelis style, like Blade Runner, think of those kind of things. And that one was also very much sampled uh, from a group called Synesthesia. Um, and then finally, um, capping that off, is the track My Chrysalis Highwayman. Now, this is the world map theme for when you travel with a car. Yes, you can unlock a car in Fallout 2, which eliminates random encounters. And the way you zip along the top-down world map is like super fast, and it's awesome. 
besides the Dreamtown song, chillest song in the game, and of refreshing relief from all mm. the dreariness. It's so. like anytime you get in, you you finally get your airship or something, and then oh, you get to fly right. Like, it's like it, the it's searching for friends in FF six. Yep. Yes, um, I, I can tell you, uh, you you find this car like all beaten up and you have to find the right parts to like repair it. and Ooh. if you have a high enough repair and science skill in the game you can you can get it and it it runs on uh like uh laser fusion cell batteries or something like that so it's nuclear power <laughs> nuclear powered um interestingly <laughs> enough but yeah i realize that is five tracks but it whatever is. we'll just go through it, it um, is. you've earned it we've the podcasters of the podcast listeners have earned it, I think. So, um, Beyond the Canyon, California Revisited, Serenity, All Clear Signal, and My Chrysalis Highwayman.
I realized the latter half of tracks I picked out were perhaps a bit more chill. I mean, Vault City, you know, pretty serious and... Um, Take Me Down. And, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, the middle one, Serenity, I think I made a Monument Valley reference to one of the other songs, but mm-hmm. that middle one, uh, this the Dreamtown, uh, super chill. Uh, I think maybe that's what I, I kept trying to figure out what it reminded me of, and uh, Monument Valley... Uh, this iOS game where you're rotating these, yeah, like I think you mentioned him, like an Escher painting, mm. but in a this weird floating in nowhere space, and you're kind of navigating this character around like a puzzle game, um, mm. but very dreamlike and trippy and weird. And that song kind of reminded me of that as well. Yeah. And was all clear signal the very Goldeneye? Yeah, one, <laughs> yeah, uh, which yeah, immediately has that bong, bong, uh, sort of bong. sound. Which, yeah. uh, we were talking about that. It's like <laughs> two seconds in, and you're like, "Golden Eye." <laughs> it's like yeah. it's uh, inseparable. But that that yeah. track was actually really cool in its yeah. own way, uh, separate from like evoking that little memory. Blade Runnery. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I recall, and I was mentioning this during during our break. Uh, uh, shout outs to Jake Kaufman. He really likes that track. I forget our Twitter discussion about it completely, but uh, I guess I was just going off about how amazing that track is, and it's one of my favorite Fallout tracks, and he chimed in and agreed. So It awesome. was good. Yeah. Jake yeah. Kaufman's great. Yeah. It does feel like, I mean, maybe it's just the tracks you picked, but the, the feeling of one versus two, one feels way more hopeless. Uh, and s- two, <laughs> two seems uh, like not much better, but like even getting a car and breaking out on yeah. the road. It seems like yeah, like hey, we've we got some victories in us, and maybe the world isn't doomed after all. Right, so, right. And spoiler alert: there's several games after this. <laughs> yeah, so it's still it's still a dreary game, but it does have some more lighthearted, like humorous moments. Whereas Fallout One is just entrenched in the dark humor. Like, yeah. well, I mean, even the, the music uh, yeah. just seems less like claustrophobic and oppressive, and mm. more not that that's not present, but it yeah. just seems a little less like hey, don't be so down. So the new music, yeah. Uh, with oh, that right. said, it, it eight, eight songs were featured from Fallout One in right. this one uh, right, in addition it. to the new tracks too so uh but yeah no uh i i definitely agree with that uh, yeah. um that so interestingly enough and i was telling tim earlier um 13 tracks in fallout 1 and 2 were reused in new vegas alongside in zer's uh soundtrack um something may have been reused in fallout 4 as well i'm not sure but um uh in terms of getting these soundtracks it's actually quite easy because it's free um, oh. like a kind of public domain sort of thing. Uh, the music was remastered and then made free public domain by Mark Morgan and someone who remastered uh, the music, Vladislav Izaev. They did this back in 2010. Uh, it's not called the Fallout soundtracks. It's called Vault Archives. Hmm. So wow. if you look that up... That's um, great that the you know composer and musicians could actually retain... The authority to do that that's to do huge. that, yeah, like that's yeah. great. Is it still that way? Yeah, uh, like, it's so it's on uh, an archive.org website. That's yep. pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty legit, and you know it's on YouTube as well for listening. Like the idea stuff, that yeah. Wasteland Two could have just grabbed stuff from Fallout <laughs> for free if they wanted to. Uh, I mean that that might be a little more complicated, maybe, but maybe. It, with that said, he did work. Uh, Mark Morgan did work on uh, Wasteland oh, Two, so. Uh, that's um, one I've been meaning to get into because I feel like, so I, I I will admit that the later Fallout games aren't so much for me because I do like what Fallout One and Two did with the vibe and the story and the writing and yeah, the, it's just a you know, genre that's also just kind of gone it, right, like, right, right. Uh, barring you know some crazy exceptions, but 
Um, with that said, it seems like Wasteland should be the way for me mm. to go mm-hmm. at this point if I'm not replaying one and two because I do do that a lot. After all, my alias yeah. used to be Nuka Cola online. Yes, back I'm glad. In the day. I, I was happy that we were able to to check these out. Yeah, uh, because for me, like Pat, we met at Megfest That's in right. like 2015. That's right. Yeah, about that time, and I was a super latecomer to Fallout. Mm. Because I had, I finally let down like my weird like I gotta play these games in order mm-hmm. and played three finally <laughs> and I was like so into it right uh, and I fell madly in love with it and we were in like <clears throat> Maryland or whatever in like the area that like so close to DC where the oh, game, right yeah. and where like that takes we, place we yeah. were like at like the like the Gaylord Hotel like at Magfest I'm like. I think this is Rivet City. Like, I think, like, I'm like <laughs> just being able to use the geography and like we're going and walking along the mall and like, oh, there's a bunch of super mutants over there in the game. And it was like the perfect overlap for me. Mm. Uh, also, I was reviewing Monster Hunter 4 U Ultimate. I remember playing that uh, in the hotel room. Um, I, I bought an iguana on a stick just uh, uh, around the corner over here. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just this incredible sort of like, I don't know, it was a fun connection and stuff. Um, and, and now here we are recording a podcast about the yeah. games we didn't play. Now, and now we're listening to Fallout 1 and 2's music on the West Coast mm-hmm. in a city oh, wow, that is in go. Fallout 2. Which is fun. <laughs> um, our, our lives. Uh, granted, you we're know, living them. it's bombed out and uh, has like a tanker in it or <laughs> like wedged in into the city. But, you know. But uh, so you, you're saying like Steam and good old games both have, have the games. Um, I think good old games used to have more goodies that came with Fallout 1 and 2 when you purchased them. Like, Oh, sorry. Oh, one other yeah. question. Yeah. Is, of the newer ones, was New Vegas one that you were like, this one kind of walks the line? Yeah. I Of all the new ones, I, uh, I did play... Uh, so I... Uh, preface. I played through Fallout 3, and I pumped a lot of time into it. And I, for the most part, I enjoyed myself. I just realized 1 and 2 are more of my thing. But um, New Vegas, I played a bit of it. And it entices me a bit more, I think, because Obsidian worked on it, and they have remnants of the Fallout 2 devs mm, that cool. worked on it. So, uh, And plus, it was on the West Coast. It had ties to the Fallout 1 and 2 story, and right. I like that a lot. Uh, and I, I kind of like seeing that, how like uh, old-school Fallout devs focusing on the West Coast, Bethesda focusing on the East Coast right. with DC and Boston and you stuff. Get, like, and I think that's cool. Do what you yeah. know. you know. Yeah, like yeah. That, no, yeah. that's really neat. Um, and yeah, the whole interplay connection, I don't know how much all of these actually connect, but in my brain, when I th- hear interplay, I think like another world or out of this world. Right, right. And that's another like really bleak, not much music, but when there is, it's trying to like instill a specific emotion at that time, um, but very alone, desolate environment. Um, mm. And so to just keep seeing... Then publish games that kind of push that. Right, like, uh, you are in a familiar but otherwise essentially alien situation. Right, uh, is interesting. Yeah, I, I, in that uh, podcast I mentioned, Game Dev Club, uh, when the creators were talking about how they came up with, it, they're pretty much given free reign because it was it wasn't really an official thing until they were able to make it official. So they would actually work on it after hours when they were done doing whatever they were doing on Interplay. They would stick around just because they were so passionate mm. and cared so much about it that they they worked they worked on it. And That's that, cool. It's a it's a very fascinating story how it came to be, but uh the original that, the original, yeah. So uh it's it's so interesting to me to see how it grew since so Black Isle was working on a third one, and then it got canceled, and uh, Black Isle was shuttered, unfortunately. But um, it was it was great to see Bethesda pick up the mantle and continue it. And th- for me, like, okay, 
I, I got into Fallout late, like maybe 2002, 2003. But um, just just the thought that like 10 years later, uh, most gamers know what a Nuka-Cola is or what a Red Scorpion is or a Deathclaw. Like, like what? Uh, like, it's, it's really cool to see um, that lore and that, uh, that look and vibe uh, reach a broader audience. Are you interested so. in, like, checking out Fallout 4 just to be in that universe again? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, think, I think maybe I should finally play through New Vegas first, at least, and then... And then see how the series evolved since then. Sure. Yeah. But um, four is a sol- a really solid game. Like yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun with it. I think I played it too soon after I had just like come super late to the party with mm-hmm. with Fallout Three. But it's one I look forward to going back to. It's yeah. such an amazing world. I should I should check it out at the very least just to see how the series has evolved. But yeah. So if if you ever want to get into one and two, um, very easy to do through GOG and Steam. GOG should still come with. Um, a few like third-party patches or mods that make the experience better for uh, current gen. So like a high-resolution patch, so it doesn't look so pixelated and stuff on your screen. And, I like uh, that that sort of stuff. So uh, it, it all comes like built into the installation. Thankfully, I want um, the pixels. So I, I recommend that. And then if you're starting the game out, do not pick with the preset characters. Just make your own. Pick your own uh, trait, character traits, that sort of thing. It's more interesting that way. Finally, I highly recommend picking the bloody mess perk or trait for your oh, character yeah. in one and two, and, and as I did with three as uh-huh, well. One hundred percent. And uh, the description for that, I love it, is by some strange twist of fate, <laughs> people around you die violently. You always see the worst way a person can die. Uh-huh. Um, it and interestingly enough, having that trait in the first game changes the ending. Or it enhances it considerably, uh, without going into details as to why. Um, enabling bloody mess makes the ending so much more satisfying and entertaining. So, uh, some uh, game pro tips from your buddy Pat Nuka Cola. We work at Game Pro <laughs> in another lifetime on the Fallout alternate timeline. Senior yeah. Fallout editor, got it. Yes. Um, so that's. Pretty much the show. That was, uh, that was a nice little journey. Yeah. Shoutouts, by the way, to the uh, the Vault Boy on the Pip Boy 2000, that wristwatch that the Vault Dweller carries around because it gives me, like, Monopoly, Rich Uncle, Penny Bags vibes. It's an amazing design. Yeah, it's yeah. a really cool design. I think there's a reason why you see that everywhere. Yeah. And that, yeah. the you know, the Fallout Shelter could be just that art style. And right. Like, and I think that reached, like, more people than even play, like, the main follow game for sure so, for yeah. sure yeah and it's great to see that character live on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to this day so yeah um yeah that's the episode uh vg empire 145 you can uh, follow along at vgempire.com uh, always appreciate your comments and uh yeah like we just wrapped up that rocktober five weeks of mega drive slash genesis music oh boy. Um, i was listening to elemental master <laughs> Dude, on so, the way in this oh morning. Man. It's so good but um thanks for listening and yeah seeing everyone's comments about like you know glad to have the show back but also just reacting to the music that's why the show exists yeah. so yeah hop on over leave some leave a comment or two on uh this episode or you can uh, subscribe on itunes bg empire just search the ios app is not great for podcasts <laughs> but uh you can i'm sure we can all we can all find it on there yeah and f- uh yeah, yeah you and vg empire on twitter yep you can find me on twitter at patrick kul i'm also vg drum on youtube i don't do fallout covers sorry i think that'd be a little tough to do uh tim where can we hit you up at just uh twitter at tim turry cool cool 
What's um, taking us out? So uh, kind of like how we had a licensed song come in in the beginning, Don't Sue Us. Um, uh, another licensed song. This is the intro uh, 50s vibe licensed song for Fallout 2 by Louis Armstrong, uh, A Kiss to Build a Dream On. And I love it. Same vibe as one. It's like, here's this nice, you know, heartfelt song and playing amidst a war-torn, nuked-out city. Um, very, very harrowing and haunting, and uh, I love that vibe so much. So, uh, yeah, A Kiss to Build a Dream On by Louis Armstrong. of the afterlife is all that awaits you now. May you find more peace in that world than you found in this one. 